Welcome to the Productivity Podcast. Delighted today to be joined by Peter Hart, who's Vice President EMEA for Ultimate Kronos Group. Hi, Peter. Simon, how are you? Very happy to be here. Good. Yeah, I'm really well, thank you. I think this, this one's going to be really interesting because we're we're talking at a, a time where Kronos has merged with Ultimate Software and things are interesting. So before we dive into detail, let's hear a bit about you, Peter. So that doesn't sound like an English accent to me. It sounds Australian. How have you arrived over here? What have you done before? It'd be good to find out. Yeah, sure, Simon. So um, actually, my background was uh, I was born in Belfast and kind of raised uh, in London until I was uh, 21 and then started traveling throughout the world, ended up in Australia in 1988. I've been over here, though, in this part of the world for coming up to two years uh, to run the EMEA part of uh, Kronos. But prior to that, I had 20 uh, wonderful years uh, leading Kronos in the Asia-Pacific region, uh, based out of Sydney, Australia. They're obviously opening up all their offices in China, India, Singapore and stuff like that. It's been an interesting journey. It's really good, though, to be over in EMEA because so many exciting things are going on. COVID happening, it makes things more interesting, but it's an exciting part of the world, Simon. You've mentioned COVID, and we'll come on to the merger stuff in a second. A, a strange and unprecedented time for the world and, and everybody. It's you know un, unsettling and has been, and I'm sure will be for a while. For your team at Kronos, how's that impacted them? I assume offices have been shut and everyone's working from home. Yeah, it has. So we made it. We took a stand uh, worldwide. We looked at all our offices worldwide and said basically that we would not be opening our offices until January next year. So we did those announcements in stages. And how we arrived at that decision, Simon, was just purely tapping into our employees, doing culture surveys finding out how they felt about the current situation. And I think because we've got a really good IT team and a fantastic infrastructure, it was easy for, to put our employees and allow them to work from home because the whole thing is about trust. And um, we're showing um, we did, our culture survey said about 20% of the people want to come back in the office for various reasons, but they're still happy that it's out there really in January. And even up until that time, we'll reassess. It's good to hear you set up. We've done a couple of podcasts and organisations have been caught short or had to go on big expensive journeys of buying online security and laptops for people. So it's good that all that's in place. And and good that the team are, are working productively from home. I think there's a real challenge moving forward in finding that balance of time in office time at home. I think that whole working pattern will change. So you've looked after the team. That's brilliant to hear. In terms of customers, how have... How have they been affected? What things have you been offering them? Have you been seeing that they're asking for or doing? Yeah, from a customer perspective during this, we looked at uh, two things. They, the, what was really bothering them or what was affecting them from a workforce management perspective? And two of the key things that have come up or two of the trends, which I think is really important and helped a lot of people, and that is that there's two kind of features within our solution range. One is attestation. And that really is, Simon, simply whether it be on a mobile phone or, or one of our um, our clocks or devices, it's really that an employee, as they come up to work for their shift, whether it be physically or remotely, will attest that they are healthy, that they haven't had a temperature, these types of things. And that just then helps make sure that that employee can be tracked. 
And that kind of delves into the contact tracing. You know, for those people who have uh, gone out to restaurants and, and, and places like that, you automatically put down your details, just know for contact tracing. And, uh, and most of our customers have said, we really want that tool in the workplace, which we go for free, which is really just everybody that goes on a shift, whether it be on premises, I say, or remotely, if they're in contact with anyone and should, uh, unfortunately, they, they go ill, it's very easy for customers to pull a report and it shows everybody that uh, they have come in contact with, which then does uh, allows them obviously proactively to reach out to the employees to make sure that any uh, infections are minimised. That's the one key thing. I think the other key thing right now is literally mobility and how people are using, if you like, telephones. We know they use it for all the apps in their life, but um, it's becoming a huge uptake in the ability to manage the workforce, especially now it's predominantly dispersed and mobile. It'd be interesting how those kind of technologies evolve in terms of the track and trace. Does it stay? Does it? Is it a short-term thing? I think from a, an employee due diligence point of view, maybe it's something that's just, just here to stay. We track the wellness or how people are feeling as an ongoing thing, which has been driven through the pandemic. Busy with... COVID, as everybody's been busy trying to find new ways of working for the team, listening to customers. And then we see in the press that you guys have merged with Ultimate Software. Clearly, you've been a very, very busy man and and the team. So how's that shaping up in terms of bolting two companies together? What, What things have been going on? How's that been affecting the teams? What does that mean for customers? Yeah, good question, Simon. So it's kind of weird because they're two different cultures, which which we'll get to. But Kronos was kind of born in 1977. And for those people on the call, that was a couple of events there that I remember. It was when Elvis Presley died. It's when The Clash came out with their first album. And if you're into horse racing, Red Rum on his third Grand National. But what was incredible was over the years, we built a culture and we called ourselves Cronites. And uh, the ultimate part of the business, you know, their little term for their employees called ulti-peeps. And when we came together under the leadership of Aaron A, it basically was a merger of two equals. What I mean by that is we both had the same amount of revenue, which is kind of really bizarre, so like 2.6 up to 3 billion each, same amount of employees. So we got 6,000 and they got 6,000. And we had to bring them all together auspicious date of April the 1st under the COVID conditions. So now we've brought two cultures together to form this one company, did the classic thing, went out to consultants, decided what kind of name we would use. And in the end, we just launched our name, which has gone out to our clients, our customers, and internally to our staff a couple of weeks ago. And we are UKG, which is the ultimate Kronos group. The other reason, Simon, why we did that too is we had the same ownership structure. So the people, we've got three very powerful investors who own Kronos, uh, Ben Hellman and Friedman and Blackstone and GIC, which is the investment arm in Singapore government. And they uh, went out and bought Ultimate a couple of years ago. So we had the same ownership group. And when the CEO of Ultimate decided to leave, they decided to merge the two organizations together. Now, for North America, it makes a interesting difference or competitive advantage because you get everything from your workforce management and your HCM and your payroll solution. What's interesting, Simon, is when we looked at the customers we have, about 40,000 customers, there was only about 500 overlap that uh, were either both Ultimate or Kronos. So there's a, 
a terrific advantage of talking to our customers and deepening the solution. However, I'm also interested in the EMEA region. We're not going to enter into the payroll market. We believe uh, we leave that to the experts, especially in different geographies. And we believe that partners are the way to go over here. But one thing that was really good in part this merger was Ultima bought a company called PeopleDoc a couple of years ago based in Paris. And PeopleDoc is just a really nice piece of HR software that does HR automation, employee onboarding. So that's a very nice offering, if you like, to our clients in the EMEA region. And it's interesting because I think you guys at Kronos, if we think about it in old world, a fair few, fair few awards around people and um, investing in people and great employers. And then I think the irony is in one of them, you actually beat to first place by ultimate. So there's a clear synergy in terms of people and ethics from from the outside looking in. Is that fair to say? Our, uh, like I said, our CEO, Aaron Aiden, who's our CEO of both places, I think he was employee number five in the company. He very much believes and is an advocate that powerful businesses are built from companies who are highly engaged and inspired. So much so he wrote a book a couple of years ago called Work Inspired. So we definitely have that mantra. That, and we also believe through facts, which is if you've got a highly engaged workforce, uh, typically your organization is 22% more productive, which is pretty interesting in the environment that we're in. So, you know, we go out and win the various awards, as you say, around the world, you know, Glassdoor, top CEOs. But the very important one on a local country level is the best places to work. And, you know, we believe it, our leaders believe it, and we obviously believe our employees do because they're at high engagement numbers. And then suddenly we looked at Ultima and realized that they, they shared a similar culture and a similar belief, and they've won, you know, amazing awards like, you know, best best place for females to work and again best places to work in fact they were number two so we were actually behind them so the good news about that when you bring all these people together I think 12,000 employees together who are very proud of the company they work for and then uh, you suddenly realize that you've got some great shared values it made it easier it's really interesting when you reference kind of that you've got roughly the same revenue employees ownership structure and you're marrying that together in in some of these what are badged as mergers there's normally a dominant partner either way which tends to become a covert takeover if you like so be really interesting to see how the balance works out because you've like you say you both come from a very equal footing totally agree i mean it's good because the leadership is is shared uh, which is brilliant I think what's amazing too is that, you know, when I said about the 12,000 employees, 40,000 customers, only about 500 where there's an overlap. So both organizations are very excited about the conversations they can be having, if you like, with the other company's uh, client base. Obviously, everybody's dying to meet each other, which is why the, uh, the classic thing we talk about things happening during this crisis is really the advent, isn't it, of a... Uh, of video meetings, whether it be yeah. go to meetings or Zoom, but uh, we've done a great job. I'm sure all the listeners have here as well in connecting people, you know, in that virtual world. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure as as things ease off, there'll be plenty of opportunity to all meet face to face and drive the plan forward. So, if if we kind of step up a level and just look at the workforce management industry, it is, in my view, quite saturated. There's there's lots of 
suppliers of workforce management technology and if you call it HCM, so human capital management out there, new ones seem to spring up every day and come from different parts of, of the world. You guys are going to be quite a powerful force, I think, when it, it all comes together. So what things are you relying on? What are the things in your mind that th- you makes you think you stand out? Yes, yeah, so it's pretty interesting coming from the EMEA region um, over, oh, sorry, the APAC region over here. You know, you get a lot of people, as you say, Simon, that come into the market that have got some industry-specific skills. And, you know, a lot of credit and respect go to those organisations out there. I think what we've looked at is because technology is evolving so quickly, I think one of our, the powerful things that, that we bring to the market is the ability for our R&D to start looking at ways that our new solutions can really help people today and tomorrow. But the other thing is as well that's vital for us is really a, a partner strategy. And what I mean by that is is that we we very much recognise, you know, like, a, like if you've got an Apple phone and you go to the App Store to get certain things, uh, we very much recognise that there are other companies who who do things maybe a little bit better than us or deeper into an industry. So the way that we built our um, cloud-based software is that it connects into many different applications seamlessly, which I think is a key advantage. So we've got three types of partners. We've also got our technology partners who build apps to fit into Workforce Dimensions, which is our flagship product. But we've got a, a really good strength of delivery partners and, of course, HCM partners. Um, so a partnership strategy is from that perspective. I think the key thing as well, Simon, is, like I say, we verticalize here. So like retail and hospitality, for example, is our number one vertical market. Uh, in Kronos, actually worldwide, and it is here in the United Kingdom and EMEA. And what we tended to do then is hire people who have an industry background and have worked or see in those industries and then can share some of the insights. So whether that be supply chain and logistics, retail, hospitality, healthcare, uh, these are the types of people that we're hiring into Kronos really to help us, if you like, be a, a bit more of a workforce management partner. How do you stay kind of focused on workforce management? Because there's there's other organisations out there that are much broader. So they do lots of end-to-end stuff, which clearly you kind of get into the game a little bit with the ultimate guys. In your view, if I was retailer, what are the benefits of using specialists for each of the different types of solutions? So, you know, my workforce management, my tools, rather than generalists, have you got a view on the differences that that brings? Yeah, I do. And I think through the evolution of our company, we've looked at having deep, broad, one solution for organisations. And, you know, like I said, we, we, we visited, say, for example, the payroll solution at one stage or the task management solution at one stage. And then we, we thought to ourselves, there are just better people out there who understand that niche part of the market that would be useful. So let me give you a quick example. So in the, in the you know, HCM the solution, why build our own when we can maybe partner with, um, you know, an SAP, be an NGA or an ADP, for example. When you start looking at um, technology partners, you've got some amazing partners out there like um, REPL is a good one, uh, Sims Associates, uh, Atos, where they've got some technologies there that, that we can use and, and that will help us think time, for example, is the latest one in task management. And we've just um, secured a, a wonderful partnership with Poundland, that will have a dimensions, if you like, in a task management perspective. 
And then, like I say, the delivery partners. So rather than build it broad, which means it's difficult for a customer to um, get the best of some of the technologies out there, we prefer to stick to our core business, which is always rostering and analytics and time management, and then build an ecosystem that fills any particular niche requirements that a client has in their given industry. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that. And clearly we work with you guys on providing the, the labour standards and all the bits around that to drive the, the workload. What- we do indeed. I was going to mention that, Simon. You Good. Know, I thought I'd yeah, just get it in there. Yeah, no, the labour stand, standards right now, I believe, well, first of all, you know, I believe that from, from what we set up in the APAC region, I think labour standards is such a topical part of organizations right now as they understand what it is they've got people they need to be more productive but they need standards to measure it against i'm seeing and i I find this quite interesting i i do have a view and i'll I'll get your view first before i share mine there's a couple of organizations out there now that seem to be going into taking everything they do and building it internally so they'll have people that come into the business say oh you know we can we can reduce our cost base by building this internally, whether it be workforce management, I've heard lately, through to CRM solutions. I'm always sceptical of how successful that is in the long term, but it'd be good to get your view if you come across organisations that say, yeah, we, we can do all that internally. Oh, Simon, that's, that's kind of interesting because I think in my early years, you get, used to get a lot of companies that felt that way, uh, so much so that they become an organization that had deep IT development skills. And then often those organizations spun them off as a different business because they offered really their services to other like-minded organizations. There's a very large organization in the States at the moment that does, um, let's just say it says do it yourself. And uh, they went from exactly that. We can build everything ourselves to realizing why would we do that when we could actually partner with a, a vendor, I'm not so much f- fond of the word vendor. We're partnered with a workforce management specialist to build that because really our business should be running whatever business they're in. It has come up recently, actually. I've seen it more and more uh, being spoken about. And uh, Simon, it'd be interested in your view. I wonder if that is that a new wave of IT leaders that have gone to the business and said, you know, I can build you something that's really fit for purpose rather than maybe partnering with someone that gives me 95% fit and I have to have some workarounds. Personally, I think it's a recipe for disaster. Um, you've got to always worry about um, how good the, the uh, code is that you develop things in and the, the rigor around it. And then obviously you've got to wonder about people who suddenly might move on for whatever reason, what happens to the application they built. That's uh, that's my personal feeling on that. Yeah, I think I, sh- I share a lot of your views actually on it. I think there's some really short-term benefits of you can reduce any outgoing costs to those providers that you're working with and potentially try and replicate to the best of your knowledge what it is so you can make things look in an IT world or a tech world roughly the same, can't you, or enhance or turn things on and off that you maybe don't like about that particular application. For me, there's a couple of of worries, agree absolutely in the code and and what have you. I think there's a the the research and development. I mean, there's a reason why you guys and, and your competitors have teams of people looking at the next algorithms, the next part of machine learning, of AI, of automation, of what's the next module. 
if I'm an organization, if I'm again retailer X and I've built my own systems, have I really got the bandwidth and the thought leadership and the intelligence of the marketplace to understand where it's going and what I need to develop? I get again short term, if you want to take change a button from being red to blue, that's probably easy to do and you're not outsourcing it, you're not paying for it. I suppose my foot's in two camps. Short term cost reduction, et cetera, et cetera. I think people may get blinded by that in terms of a, a saving. Longer term, I think what'll happen is they'll end up with new leadership, like you say, dated product or dated technology, and then we'll come back to market. So all it'll take is a change of, you know, CTO or IT director has a different view of the world. And you could argue they come back to where they've started and is the is the in between wasted money? I don't I don't know, but there's a reason why you guys are forty years old and have all that expertise. There's a reason why others are are in the same boat in in all walks of tech. So till systems, WFM, payroll systems. Yeah, I'm interested. I think give it two years and there'll be lots of people that have done in house stuff that potentially will come back to market because they realise it's now two years old. It's not been upgraded. The tech's moved on, the hardware's moved on. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's there's a lot of short-termism in it. And, I mean, just look right now, if somebody was building systems like that, let's say they were building them eight months ago, somebody would never have known what's happened today and suddenly those resources are now diverted into making sure that you've changed the strategy so you can still remain competitive and relative, you know, in what's happening now in commerce. I think the other interesting thing is, is again, is, when people build their own stuff, they're kind of stuck in their own silos, whereas when you're, um, a, say, a vendor or a partner in the space, you talk to so many other people and get some really creative ideas. One thing I was thinking about, too, one of your earlier podcasts was, um, you know, something uh, wage stream, you know, who, who we partner with as well. What a great concept. You know, and that's the way the gig economy is moving, for example. So that's an easy thing to plug in. To, um, to not only Kronos, but also all the other workforce management vendors out there. Is that going to be too hard to start building interfaces to homegrown stuff? We don't know yet. Yeah, yeah, and that's the other thing actually I hadn't, you've made me think about is I hadn't thought about the whole integration piece. So if you create an internal ecosystem of products, at some point if you try and unpick it, that must be really, really painful. So, so yeah, it, it, it will be interesting. Maybe maybe we're wrong. Maybe some of those will survive. I think history tells us I've seen this before and eventually it starts to get unpicked and um, plugged in with specialist point solutions. Time will tell. Time will tell. So, Peter, I think you guys are on a, a really interesting journey. I mean, clearly you have been for the last 40 years in terms of all the growth and all the other bits around it. But even more so with this new merger, so it'd be fantastic to see how it plays out in the in the marketplace and what people think. Before I let you go, though, I've got one final question, which is what's the best bit of business advice you've ever been given? Right. So the best business advice is two things, really. One is um, people buy from people they trust. So in everything you do, in every interaction, you've got to represent yourself with integrity, honesty, and passion. People can see that when they meet you, maybe even when they talk to you. So that's pretty important from a business perspective. And then another really crazy thing is, um, you know, in those odd occasions that you may lose an opportunity, whether you believed you were the best 
vendor or you know some they just chose somebody else who, who had a really good solution as well i was always told that the, the day you lose the deal is the day you win it back so the two bits of advice i've kind of had no really good no i like those yeah i think i certainly the last one i echo um you've got to kind of lose lose graciously you might not like it you might not necessarily agree with the logic or the rationale and like Arsene Wenger said, we've all got that kind of most beautiful wife, haven't we, in terms of we all think we've got the best product or consulting offer or, or whatever it might be. Certainly in retail, and you'll know this, Peter, from working across the world, it's a small place and you never know who you're going to meet again in a different guise. So l- losing graciously akin to, to your last one, I think is a, a really good point. And see it lots. You also see it when people don't lose graciously and clearly maybe burn some bridges in the future. So yeah, good one. I like that. Listen, it's been a pleasure having you on. Always great to chat with you and look after yourself and we'll we'll keep an eye on uh, how things go with the new business. Simon, thank you very much for uh, having me and um, good luck with the, the rest of the year. 